Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, March 20th. Changes are coming later this spring to the process of road testing for new drivers in the province. We discuss the changes and how they could save you money with Addison Romaniak, a Calgary-based driver examiner. The search for a cause in treatment for Alzheimer's disease is ongoing. Can artificial intelligence be useful in helping to find answers? We catch up with Dr. Ted Jablonski for details on a new study on how AI could be an effective tool to battle Alzheimer's. And finally, we have a winner. We speak with Daryl Johnson, the lucky QR Calgary listener who cracked the $10,000 QR code on Friday night. Daryl shares details on how he plans on using his winnings. Why is the Alberta government changing the road testing requirements for new drivers in the province and how will this impact safety on our roads and highways? To discuss, we're joined by Addison Romaniuk, a driver examiner here in Alberta. Good morning to you, Addison. Good morning. Well, for those not in the know, Addison, uh, what are the road testing requirements currently in place here in the province? So currently, for not very much more time here, we have a two-test system for your Class 5 or 6 motorcycle test. Uh, you will go out and get a basic test if you are a current resident of this province, and you'll do 20 to 25 minutes on the road, um, drive around with us and take your basic test. At that point, you now have your GDL. And after two years, you can go for the advanced test. The advanced test being twice the length on the road, uh, a lot more complicated, higher speeds, merging, so on and so forth. And then you will have a full license uh, with no restrictions, whereas the GDL basic license will give you restrictions and demerits and uh, zero alcohol tolerance and some other factors. So, Addison, what are the changes then for the requirements? We'll go down to a one-test system, is that correct? Yeah, so that's the way it's going to go to, a one-test system. The one-test will be... um, we now know the parameters of it. It's going to be more like that second advanced test. It's going to be um, closer to 40 minutes on the road or close to twice the length. They include every factor that uh, we can try and get in there, right? You're merging in higher speeds and everything you might get in a major city center. And then you'll still have a GDL for two years, but uh, you won't have to take the second test to get rid of it. You just have to stay clear of getting any demerits or tickets in the second year of your GDL. And then if you don't have any tickets after 24 months, GDL is gone and you're good to go. You're on a full license. So, so Addison, what led to the Alberta government making these changes in the first place? What was behind the change? I mean, I'm not a government person and I can only really speculate on what they've told us. They've talked about red tape production, which I'm all for. Um, they've talked about a few things that I can only speculate on. I mean, there's been speculation of, of wanting to be able to use other class of drivers to, to maybe move around non-medical patients. That's been speculation out there. Um, there's been a lot of things, but we don't know exactly. They say that there's not going to be a difference in um, safety going into this system. They say that, you know... Um, well, there's been a lot of speculation. That's all I can really say at this point. They're saying red tape is the main thing, but 
I, I don't see it being a red tape issue. Well, Addison, you're out there with the new drivers all the time, so you would be seeing it firsthand. Are there concerns that the changes to the road test requirements could result in less competent drivers on the road? Because I can tell you I'm from Ontario. Now, it was 100 years ago, but we only did one test. Uh, I think I think that's the same in many provinces. So does this just put us in line with the rest of Canada, or are we asking for trouble here? It doesn't necessarily put us in line with the rest of Canada. This whole system got put into place because other provinces were putting a GDL-like system into place. Originally, in 2003, when it was implemented, the talk was that a GDL-like system will reduce collisions from the ages of uh, 16 to 25 by potentially up to 30%. And that's what they were seeing in other provinces. Now, if you're in B.C., there is a new driver's license there. Other provinces have systems like this. Um, now, some of them have also, like Ontario, changed some of their parameters or rules for road testing and reduced the, air quotes, red tape. But um, the statistics leads us to believe that, yeah, this is going to be a, a safety issue. We don't have any stats on the new system we're going into versus the GDL system and anything to say it's better or worse. But you can only think that if there's less accountability or less of a standard that that could be a result and it's less safety but addison can we not look back like i i'm from alberta i grew up here i took my license over 30 years ago and there was only one test and i was done and we're talking about late 80s here and early 90s um can we not look at the stats as far as accidents of that younger age group you mentioned back then compared to after 2003 yeah, absolutely. Alberta statistics, you know, post everything they can up there and, and ours um, break it down into that age category. Other provinces even go farther um, into reasons why accidents happen. And you can see from 2003 that um, our collision rate didn't go up once we put in this GDL system. Now, people may argue, um, no, when I say go up, I mean relative with our population and a lot of other things, we didn't see a, an increase in that younger category of collision rates while implementing this some people might argue well technology and cars and airbags and whatever and it's like well in 2003 we didn't have sensors in the cars yet we didn't have autopilot they were maybe enhancing airbags but that doesn't make sense to me that that would be the factor for us not increasing our collision ca- um, collision rates in the younger category all of a sudden at that same time Let's look at the dollars and cents of it. I mean, obviously, for driver examiners, that's going to cut into what you and, and your co-workers would make, right? Because you're doing one test instead of two. But in terms of the cost of obtaining a driver's license in Alberta, does that lessen the price for new drivers? I don't think it's going to. Uh, I mean, the new test is going to cost more than your basic test. It's longer time on the road, so you're going to pay more money. Um so at the end of the day, if it's a harder test, and you asked about you know what I see, or you mentioned what I see every day in my career, I see a lot of drivers failing for things that, what we call unsafe actions. And I heard a statistic recently that from our president of our association that 25% of our automatic fails are called unsafe actions, something that could have caused a collision. We had to take over and grab the wheel. And this is we're going to have a higher fail rate. We're going to have more people because it's a more complicated test having to do it over and over again. So if you're talking about saving money, I mean, it's a more expensive test you're going into than a basic. It's more aligned with our advanced. So you're doing one and saving from doing one test versus two, 
But if the fail rate's harder, if it's a harder test, right. you might have to do it the second or third time anyways. Mm-hmm. All in perspective. Uh, thanks yeah. for your uh, time this morning, Addison. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys reaching out, and hopefully there's more talk of this around there because I, I don't think the public was consulted. Uh, they were consulted on saving some money for sure, but they didn't consult us or the registries, and there's not a lot of talk of the Class 4 test either and how they got rid of that, yeah. that road test. Interesting, yeah. interesting conversations to be had. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. That's Addison Romaniak, a driver examiner here in Alberta. New research points to artificial intelligence being able to help detect Alzheimer's disease to a very accurate degree, in fact. Joining us to talk about the testing at the Massachusetts General Hospital is our on-call family physician, Dr. Ted Jablonski. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Can you break down this new research for us? Because it's interesting to me because we talked a lot about AI, artificial intelligence, particularly when it comes to the new chat GPT uh, bots and, and different applications. But this sounds fantastic to me. Tell us about it. Yeah, so here's my here's my understanding of, of what happened in this study. They essentially had uh, 10,000 patients uh, and multiple, multiple MRI images of their brains. And they essentially said within that group of 10,000, how many went on to get Alzheimer's, how many did not. And then they kept running the images, their brain images, through a computer program to pick out these subtle, subtle differences between the group who got Alzheimer's and the group who did get Alzheimer's from a much earlier and earlier and much more detailed way. So we look for patterns. When we look at images of, say, an X-ray or an MRI, we're looking for a pattern or something that tweaks us to say, hmm, that, that's odd or that's different, that could be it. Well, if you get a computer to do it and you run it year after year after year, with all this new information, you can get it to pick off subtler and subtler differences earlier and earlier. So that's essentially what this study did, and they were able to come up with a 90% accuracy of, of, of making a diagnosis really, really early when a, a normal radiologist just looking at the films would not have been able to make that diagnosis. So, Dr. J, when we break this down, this is the AI is not doing something that a human couldn't do, but it's just the sheer volume of data and yeah. information. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's how I view this, is that it's exactly, we have to program AI. Like, it's not that it can somehow make something out of nothing, but if you look at, like, this in this study, uh, 37,000 images, if you look at them over and over and over and over again, uh, uh, it's, it's the sheer volume of it is what picks up the more subtle detail. So, so yes, it makes, it like, a human uh, ability to pick up a pattern uh, 10 times better, 100 times better over time, is that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Well, let, let's, let's break it down further as to the current processes in proceeds in place, whatever that word is. Um, how the fact, Dr. J, that under the dementia umbrella, including Alzheimer's, when I go for a checkup, for example, they will check yeah. my cholesterol and my heart. I can, you know, uh, get, uh, you know, colon cancer screenings and such. But when yeah. it, calls, it comes to Alzheimer's, it's interesting to me because it seems like we don't really jump on that until we have some indicators in place already. Is there something I could do to get screened early, or is this something that should be done more often? Well, yes and yes, but no and no. Uh, like, we have no early uh, detector. And again, that's why a study like this is crucial, because it's saying if we did an image, uh, we could pick this off early. But right now, our tests are incredibly crude. 
we can do a very simple memory test on you or we can ask you like are you having trouble you know with thinking process with memory etc do a very crude uh, test on you from um, uh, like a, a verbal test on you and get an impression that wow you know you're you know, for whatever age you are, you're you're not quite a hundred percent, or but it's very very crude and does not do well in an early Alzheimer's. We all know if somebody has very advanced uh, dementia, it's a very easy diagnosis. This person's memory is not good; they, they lose orientation today. You know where they are, etc. But early on, it's incredibly subtle, and we have no blood test for it. We currently have no imaging tests, although the study could say in the future we could use MRI. But right now, we uh, this would be too expensive a technology just to run everybody through an MRI or uh, MRI unit, uh, say as a screening tool at age 50 or 55 or 60. We just don't have the resources to do something like that. Well, at this point, though, how much do uh, you know family history? Uh, stats and, and, and genetics play into it. Is is that something that is, is used? Kind of like, you know, somewhat when it comes to breast cancer, for example, saying if that yeah. was in the family, is that something you folks do? Yeah, well, we think about that for sure, because there is definitely a genetic to this. There definitely are risk factors to this uh, that would we could uh, at least stratify whether you're a higher risk or lower risk. But even now, we're still handcuffed into, even if I know that information, I'm not sure what to do with that information apart from telling you, like if you had a very strong family history, Andy, you know, I could tell you, you need to be the healthiest guy you can be. You know, if there's any risk factors that, that you're doing, like smoking, uh, drinking excessively, we've had enough talk about drinking, um, but, you know, not exercising, if your cholesterol is not good, your blood pressure is not good, we can clean all that up and maybe that decreases your risk a bit, but we don't know ultimately what to do. Like, you know, do yeah. this one specific thing and you won't get Alzheimer's or won't get dementia. We don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, so even if we know you're high risk, even if you have a high genetic, even if we're screening you a little more aggressively to pick it off quicker, we're still not sure what to do with that early case. And that's where we're really, really struggling with dementias right now. A big picture. We're, we're talking again. We led the, into this with the artificial intelligence. Uh, AI, we'll see how far that takes us in different corners of the world. And, of course, yeah. in your profession as a, as a PhD, a, a family doctor, Dr. J. But having said that, in your experience and over your career, how much have uh, computers changed what you do, period? Oh, yeah, a lot, and it will be a lot more. Like, I see AI being used in various forms uh, more and more, uh, in, particularly in, in diagnostics and the ability to... Um, yeah, just to, to do things in a higher volume where just an individual human just cannot do it. Mm -hmm. So AI is going to help with surgical things. It's going to help with diagnosis. It's going to be more and more. And already we've seen it uh, in many ways. And for the most part, it's been extremely helpful unfavorable it's not like you know uh, we feel threatened as a profession like me as a doctor that uh, computers are going to take over what i do mm -hmm. they just enhance our ability to to be more efficient to be uh, more critical with our data to do things that we as humans can't we can't comb through all these things we don't have enough hours in the day so i see a very bright future when it comes to computerization and ai in the future of medicine all the help we can get to sign up for that for sure thanks so much for your time dr j Okay, you betcha. It's Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. Kicked it off at middle of January, and on Friday it all culminated to find out who would be the lucky listener to crack the $10,000 QR code. 
Oh, we had a great shindig at the Deerfoot Inn Casino. And the last person standing was, ladies and gentlemen, with the number 44. That was the actual ticket number. Daryl Johnson. And he joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Daryl. Good morning, Andy. Where's Sue today? Sue is on vacation. I wasn't okay. sure if, whether or not you you said, hey, okay, okay, Sue, let's go on vacation together. But no, she's got some time off this week. So Sue will be back on Monday. And so I'm happy to, to, to catch up with you this morning because we hung out together. Sue was there at the Deerfoot Inn and Casino on Friday. And Daryl, you were the lucky winner to crack the $10,000 code. Uh, before we get into, you know, how you qualified, because I know you remember which show and which what the question was. Tell us about, uh, walk us through uh, your thought process when we called your number on Friday night. How did that feel? Fantastic. I um, just felt like the luckiest person. Uh, in fact, it's the highlight of the year to, to win the contest and to meet you and, and Sue in person and the other team members. It was just, uh, you guys are all so super and nice people with a sense of humor and kindness, and and the room was so energized, and uh, it was just a great experience. And, um, you know, this radio station means a lot to me because I spend most of my life on the property where I live. And so listening to this station, 770 AM, I've been doing it for years, and now 107 FM, and uh, so it gives a new better sound if you want volume and, and listen to even the, the music that you guys play on it it's great and it's my companion to keep me company like some people have pets yeah that's fantastic that is fantastic i can't say enough about this station well and i'm wondering you know have you ever had a saint patrick's day like you did this year never <laughs> It, it 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 obviously it, it's your money, it's your business, Daryl. But what are you planning on doing with ten thousand dollars? It was you know to a large extent unexpected going into your pocket. Well, I'm kind of a thrifty person on a low budget, so uh, I've I've learned how to spend money wisely, which has come in handy during these high inflationary times and stuff. So uh, I'm going to take it easy. I'd like to be a little grateful to uh, help out some of my other friends that are kind of thrifty and maybe throw a little bit of a party in the yard and spend some of the money just uh, every providing a good time on a, a I'm going to wait till the weather you know warms up and yeah. the grass goes green and uh, the trees have some leaves on it and and I live by the Elbow River so um, if the water's warm enough we can splash around in the river too and watch the rafters go by so you know in the meantime before that happens of course uh, I'm going to slow play my friends one at a time and maybe take somebody out for a drink or something to eat or something like that. Sounds fantastic. But uh, not get too extravagant because uh, they'll have to stretch and be on a budget. So Yeah, well, it sounds uh, like... I hope that doesn't... Well, I'll be eating meat this week anyway, but <laughs> you get what I'm, where I'm coming from here. I know, but I love that. I like that you're, 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 you're happy, uh, you're, you're grateful, but you're also very smart moving ahead when it comes to this, Daryl. And obviously, you are not only an astute listener, you've got one heck of a, a memory because we were happy. You had a kind of a competition within the four walls here at QR Calgary of exactly what show uh, the winner would come from. You listened to Mornings with Sue and Andy, and it was a, a trivia question surrounding something about how many people are victims to cybersecurity and, and online thefts. And you had the exact number, as we quoted on the show. And how many people was that in, in the previous year? 
Well, I believe the correct answer was $5.4 million. That's exactly right. And when you brought it, uh, I thought, okay, this guy listens. And, uh, of course, you did win. You cracked the $10,000 QR code. Congratulations, Daryl. We appreciate it. Thanks a ton for listening. And, again, all the best to you in 2023. Thank you so much. Can I say one more? Sure, of course you can. You know, your, your radio station is like listening to a talking encyclopedia. There's just such a wealth of accurate information by super intelligent people. I just can't stop listening. That's why I'm a loyal listener. And, uh, oh, and I want to give a money-saving tip to everybody out there. It's free. There's no user fee. It's made for thrifty people like me. I love it. You can keep talking. You already won, though, Daryl. You're good. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thanks. And thank you so much, Andy. And say hi to Sue. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be listening for her when she comes back. Yeah. But, and the rest of the team. And... Um, I'm hoping this is just the first acquaintance and we might run across each other some day, maybe even at the party, if, uh, if, all, if it all works out right. Thanks so much, Daryl. Yeah, have a good uh, rest of your week. We appreciate it. Take care. That is Daryl Johnson. He did crack the $10,000 QR code. A huge thank you, by the way, to the team at the Deerfoot Inn and Casino, particularly uh, Bryce, who really helped us out there, and our whole promotional team, unsung heroes behind the scenes here at QR Calgary. Uh, keep it locked here. And, of course, QRCalgary.com for all of our contests. Little Birdie tells me we might have a huge concert announcement a little later this week as well.